Good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. A couple of prelims before we start. Was I the only one who went to camp? Richard, I oh, Richard behind me. I saw Richard. It's just that I was there almost for three weeks, I think, sometimes, because we sat up there for the first week and we have to hang around until it's all sorted afterwards. But it was actually quite a good camp. Good speaker, Lee Vendon, if you got to see him at all. Absolutely brilliant. <coughs> very uplifting. And, of course, if you went in the ABC shop, you would have seen me. That's also very uplifting. <laughs> okay. Um, the other thing is, is that on the nominating committee, once I've got clarification that most of you, if not all, can be there, it will be tomorrow afternoon, but I'll let you know when I know. If it's not, then we'll have it the following Sunday. We really need to get it underway, and I'm setting this church in preference to my other church to allow you to get this done first and foremost. So, But it will have to be Sunday, I think. Just letting you know that's the setup. All right, enough said. <clears throat> As you know, I'm doing a series on the Ten Commandments. I call them God's Love Commandments because that's exactly what they are. He loves us so much that he wants us in the kingdom and he's put this wall of defence around us with these ten major, major constructs. And I'm going to be looking at number six, which is Exodus 20, verse 13. <clears throat> and um, th this is the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. There was a gentleman by the name of Clarence Darrow. Some of you may be aware of this gentleman. who was a famous criminal lawyer, yes. And um, he said this. Everyone is a potential murderer. I've not killed anyone, but I frequently get satisfaction out of reading the obituary notices. That's what he said. Uh-huh. So there we go. You know, life is a quality product that killing can take away very quickly. Just what does it mean, this commandment, thou shalt not kill? Well, in the Hebrew, it's a verb which means... Actually, thou shalt not murder. It talks about a premeditated type of killing. Because as you know in Ecclesiastes, it says that there is a time to kill. And God also sent people into the promised land, into Canaan, to cleanse the land. So we've got to be careful when, when we're espousing this particular commandment that we are accurate on it. Thou shalt not premeditatively take a life. Now, you're going to see that that's more than just what we think it is too. That's what I want to bring it to. It means premeditated murder. <clears throat> the, the deliberate taking of human life and it is forbidden. And yet in Revelation 11:18, it talks about a time that will come in the history of this world when God will come and destroy human beings. It says here that God will destroy those who destroy the earth. So obviously we are a bunch of killers. Have you murdered somebody this week? What does this commandment really mean? Maybe we have murdered somebody this week. I sometimes think that mankind, if left to itself, would self-destruct after a certain time. That had God's grace had not been evident upon this earth, 
that the human race would have long since disappeared. We love violence and death, yet even we Christians love it. We shouldn't, but we do. By the time a Christian child grows to be 18 years old, the average Christian child will have witnessed thousands of murders on television, in movies and so forth. And that's too bad. I personally hate watching the evening news. And the reason I hate it is because they almost glorify the evil that goes on in this world, the deaths that are shown all the time. I'd rather read a book or watch... Um, who wants to be a millionaire? Not that I'll ever be. I never get that last question right. <clears throat> but the news, I don't like it because there seems to be bloodshed wherever we look on that, on the news. And after watching the news, in which there are acts of terrorism and other carnage, what do we sit down and watch next? We adults sit down there after the news and watch our favourite programs on murder, NCIS, Murder, She Wrote, you name it. What are all the shows about? Death in Paradise, one of my favourite shows. But, but what is it? Death in Paradise. And if nothing bad is on TV, we can always hire violent videos from the rental store. We really must love violence and murder, or we wouldn't sit there and watch it. Surely we need to stop this type of stuff. And that is what the Sixth Commandment is all about. Everybody in society is doing the same thing. And it seems to me like if we're all doing the same thing and we're all interested in murder and we watch it and we see it, we're going down the moral gurgler. I don't see how it could be much longer before Jesus comes. It seems to me that the end is just about here. <clears throat> Let's take video games, for example. If time should last another 50 years, and I've got my doubts, I shudder to think that what all these kids raised on all these video games are going to be doing. Western society loves murder so much that we even buy video games of murder and violence for our kids. Our kids sit there by the hour and manipulate that joystick in order to accumulate points by shooting people. Uh, the more people you can murder, the more points you get. Have you ever played those games? That's good to hear that. I'm not here to morally judge a single person, but I do know these games of myth, uh, exist. Big time. They're in boutiques, electronic boutiques. You ever see the words EB? That's what they sell. That's what they sell, yeah. Um, I've never played these games. They claim that blood spurts out. Is that good? More points are gained by driving the car over people walking down the footpath. So we train our kids on how to be violent. Murder becomes common practice. And God says... Thou shalt not kill. Well, having shocked you into this part of the sermon, there are different kinds of murder. Did you know that some murder is good killing and some is not good killing, if you can imagine that? It's not all equal. Sorry? Yes, but maybe you should allow other pests to be in there to take care of that problem yourself. Okay, it's not all equal. For argument's sake, you won't go to jail if a life is lost in self-defence. And I don't know about you, but if you've got youngsters and someone's coming in, and we would had a mission story this morning, and if you were strong enough to stop that guy coming in to take a life, would you not step in, even if it meant taking that life 
to save your own children's lives. It's a hard call, isn't it? And I'm not saying, would you or won't you? But the reality is, and the law says that's quite legal to do that. In other words, you won't go to jail for defending yourself. You have a right to defend your life. And if one is accidentally killed, there is no punishment. <clears throat> but the plot thickens if you fail to replace the bald tyres on your car. And one day you lose control of your vehicle and end up on the wrong side of the road, possibly killing someone in the process. In fact, how often just of late have the number of people that have been under the infective drugs driven up on footpath? On the Gold Coast, a girl was under the influence of something and she ran over a little girl. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, could have done, but I think not totally in possession of the mind, and that's when you're under the influence. Death by negligence. You may even destroy your own family this way, and that can happen too. In fact, the number of times when I've read about drunk drivers who have killed whole families eventually get back in the car, get drunk, and they do it over and over again, and somehow these guys don't do any damage to themselves. And a quiet prayer to the Lord to take the wrong one out. I don't feel is a bad thing sometimes, but we shouldn't do that. All right. Now, <clears throat> some killing is caused by twisted ideas. We have the wrong ideas, different ideologies. So it results in killing. We call this ethnic cleansing. You've heard of this, haven't you? And this is going on today. I understand that in some so-called holy writings that some religions actually encourage killing unbelievers. If you don't think the same as I do, I slit your throat because we disagree, disagree upon where you go once your throat is slit. That's just too shocking. If they lose their life in the process of killing some unbeliever, they believe they go straight up to Allah. And waiting for them are maybe a dozen or two virgins, beautiful young women waiting to serve them 24 hours a day. Don't know where they're getting them from. No wonder they strap these bombs to their bodies. They're so willing to do, this, to do this type of stuff. Twisted ideas result in twisted consequences. And it's just plain wrong to take human life. Now, here's a good question. Why is it wrong to take human life? Because God said so? More than that. He explains why. Did you know that? He makes it really, really clear. Genesis. Sorry? You can't give it back, that's a very good reason. But it's because of the way God made us. In Genesis 9, verse 6, and you can check this out. Where did I miss that one? Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God he has made man. There you go, very, very clearly. Any, every individual walking on the face of this earth is a creation of God. And if you shed that, you are attacking the image of God. It's God himself. We are made in God's image, and that is why we're not supposed to take life, because we are made in his image, and so is the person whose life is lost. Now, in my opinion, abortion is murder. I think that unless it's done to save the life of the mother, and that's in extreme circumstances, because sometimes <laughs> when they do that, you're not necessarily saving the mother, or you can save mother and child. So it's a tough call. I'm glad I don't have to make it. But unless it's for that specific reason, abortion is wrong. 
And it, it's your body, but you don't have that right. Because once that little one is conceived within you, it belongs to God. It's one of God's creations. It's not yours anymore. It's yours. People have told me that after three weeks, the unborn baby has a detectable heartbeat. There is life there after three weeks. And you know, almost all abortions are performed after seven weeks. Now, if you had an abortion performed, you can ask God to forgive you, and you can never do it again. And God will forgive you. And that's a prayer that he always answers. That's if you've done it. But to me, I'd rather have a child in this world than see it destroyed. Psalm 139.13 For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. God says, I made this little creature. He, she is mine. That makes a baby a very special thing, doesn't it? We do not have the right to touch that child. Now, the same thing can occur at the other end of life. Over here is abortion at the beginning of life, and over there is euthanasia near the, near the end of life. We're living somewhere in between abortion and euthanasia. We must protect the edges, or we may be next in line. In fact, it's being introduced and accepted throughout every state of our, our country now, euthanasia. Never used to be. And the question is, when people call it, there are people that have committed or had themselves euthanized, thinking that they were dying. There was a woman who thought that she had cancer. She had it once before. She thought she got it again. She called on Dr. Death. and she, When they did an autopsy on her body, she didn't have cancer. So, you know, you don't know when to call it and when not to call it. And maybe it's best then left to God. Doesn't he know the hour and the day? Maybe we should leave it to God to determine the death date. Death date. All right, suicide. It's another form that would be covered by this commandment. Thou shalt not kill thyself. I think that that would be covered here. We could call this commandment loving yourself. That would be the positive of it. God loves us with an unlimited, unconditional love, doesn't he? Surely we ought to love ourselves that same way. We ought to take care of ourselves. So using tobacco or using alcohol is sort of like suicide on the instalment plan. Slow motion suicide. So is a lifetime of overeating, drug abuse or any other thing that cuts your life short. That would be covered under the Sixth Commandment. So you see, the Sixth Commandment goes with us all the way to the refrigerator. It's an all-inclusive commandment. God wants us to have good health. He wants us to live a long life on the land he gives us. And we shorten our life by not exercising. That's covered under this commandment as well. Having promiscuous sex in this day and age is playing Russian roulette. The Bible says... Do yourself no harm. Do you actually know that it actually says those words? It's found in Acts 16 verse 28. Do yourself no harm. Full stop. Do yourself no harm. We're not to harm our bodies. I've got here as a heading the parable of the least car. I want to tell you a parable. 
You see, God is sort of like a car dealer. Now, you think about this. At birth, he loans each of us a brand-new body. It's shiny, it's new, it's wonderful, there's no blemish on it. It's in mint condition. He gives his body to us on a lease plan. We're leasing this from God. We are responsible for all the, all the upkeep. And when the time comes for its return, we would give it back in as good a shape as possible with only reasonable wear and tear. Have you heard that expression, reasonable wear and tear? Most of us are suffering from it now. We know that. But it's reasonable wear and tear. Now, you understand how a lease works. Have you ever leased a car? Anybody here ever, ever leased a car? Yes, okay. At present, I'm driving a leased car. I'm pretty happy about that too, by the way. Um, at the end of the lease, I have to give it back. The entire time of the life lease, we ought to realise our body actually belongs to God, belongs to God. If we terminate the lease prematurely, there could be eternal consequences for that. So we need to take care of our body. It's not ours, it is on lease from God. Imagine returning a lease car that the day before we went around with a screwdriver puncturing it with the screwdriver. Wouldn't it be great when we, when we go back to return it? Really look good. We'd be up there for explaining, wouldn't we? For, for some explaining for that. We may have to pay for the extra damage. Therefore, let us return our bodies in good shape. Uh, some do poke it full of holes, otherwise known as body piercing. Return it to God without tattooing or branding. The Bible says not to, not to mark your body. Return your body to God in as good a shape as possible. Isn't that, isn't that fair? Now, we've got to keep on with the analogy. Fuel. Using the correct fuel would also help. Avoid pouring diesel or sand into the tank of your leased car. God's body does not run well on alcohol or drugs. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, and you know this one well. Um, you are not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your... There it is. You need to take care of the body. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. Now... Don't be angry. Now, we read this text earlier. Well, Richard read, read it for us. Jesus amplifies the sixth commandment when he says this. You've heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. It's a very strong word, that judgment, isn't it? I thought Christians were to avoid the judgment. Well, Jesus here is kind of saying here that you're in danger of the judgment. And then he goes on to say, But I say to you that whoever, whoever is angry with your brother without a cause. Aren't you breathing more comfortably now without a cause? So it's all right to be angry, isn't it? Oh. Uh, in your anger, do not sin. But it's wise if you're not angry because you can do such dumb things. When you're angry. But whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, which I think is a very strong, nasty little word, we, we got four letter words, so do the Hebrews, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of her fire. So maybe we. Sorry? Fool. Well, actually, the scripture uses foolishness. Oh, 
non-believer. Actually, um, the um, opposite of fool foolishness is wisdom, and w wisdom is the knowledge of God or getting to know about God's salvation. Yeah, and yeah, even though Jesus, when talking to the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, said, "Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe," he was really saying their lack of faith makes puts them in a precarious position. But we're not to call people fools. We are not. That's a judgment thing. Because when you judge, we, you know, when it talks about judging, I'm just going to diverge for just a slight second here. We always think it's saying, oh, that Mike over there, he's a, he's a bit of a so-and-so, you know, and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. What it is is that that guy's bad. He's not going to heaven. That's not my call. That's not my call. And we've got no right to say that. And also, I might think, well, I don't think this guy's worth saving. That's also a judgment call. And I'm not to judge, Mike. I've got probably bigger blemishes that will keep me out of heaven. Well, that's what, that's what, yes. That's what Jesus said. Yeah, he's got the speck, i got the plank. You got me? So that's what that's talking about. So we'll come back on to this now. All right. So the modern world that we live in, though, is a very angry place. And it's so easy to reflect back on us. We've got to be careful. Anger is the source of a lot of intentional murder. That's where it comes from. We begin to kill someone when we begin to hate them in our heart. Hate produces a constant flow of blood from Af Afghanistan to Iraq, from Zimbabwe to Zanzibar. It's all through the world. Humans are a unique brand of cannibals. Hate is the embryo of anger. Now, physical abuse is a next-door neighbour to murder. Have you ever been out of control? Maybe your son or daughter unashamedly disobeyed your clear command and you yell out, I'm going to beat the daylights out of you. Then you give them the spanking of their life. You speak in anger, you're out of control, and you should never do that. Never. When we withhold the basic necessities of life, when we have the power to provide them, we come close to killing when you have the power to provide it, but you withhold shelter, clothing, or food, you're on the edge of the Sixth Commandment. Can you see how broad the Sixth Commandment is? <coughs> Intentional reckless driving is right on the border of the Second Commandment, Sixth Commandment. When you go out there and you're driving and you're sleeping, you can hardly stay awake. You're on the edge of the Sixth Commandment. Extreme anger exhibited behind uh, itself in the beginning of the first two brothers. Cain killed Abel because of sibling rivalry. As Cain shouted at Abel, the blood vessels of his neck stood out. Anger took charge of Cain and murderous looks, daggers, shot daggers at Abel. Soon blood flowed as Cain killed his brother. God personally tried to stop it, but Cain had lost control. I'm reminded of an incident going back on the Sunshine Coast a number of years now. And it bothered me because we lived up there and it's a beautiful place to live, it really is. But apparently one driver had been a little upset over the way another driver had interacted with him on the highway, either cut him off or slowed down or braked, whatever the reason was. Anyway, she chased that driver, followed him home and when the other guy got out of the car, he beat him with a piece of metal pipe, put him in hospital. The fellow never knew what hit him. 
another incident here in Brisbane where a young lady cut off a motorist on a roundabout. He chased her, cut off by clipping a car, and then he raped her. It goes on. This is here. This is in our hometown. It goes on. It's out there all the time. Humans losing control. Humans being beings descending towards hell. Uncontrolled anger, road rage. King David. David exhibits road rage in the Psalms. In Psalm 10:15, get this. He says, "Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man." He's out there to get him, isn't he? Would you do that? You ever been tempted to break the arm of the wicked man? Ah. Uh-huh. When somebody doesn't pull away at the stop sign quick enough, or they're just sitting there, do you hit the horn? Do you speak with your wife and say, boy, that person? I do. I do. <coughs> boy, that person. You know, in Psalm 12.3, I'm like David, so I, I, I you know, a man after God's own heart, I hope. Okay, 12 verse 3, cut off flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. He, he's talking literally. Wow. You can see David can get all fired up, right? Sorry? Oh, well, you're stealing my thunder here. Yep. Okay. He also says, give them according to their deeds. In Acts 28, Psalms 28.4. And in Psalm 35 verse 6, he asks God to make their ways dark and slippery. And verse 8, let destruction come upon them unexpectedly and let his net that he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction let him fall. But David did overcome all this, as Peter was trying to share with us a few seconds ago. Notice that at the end of almost every psalm like this, David does simmer down and he praises his God. Even saints are not totally saintly 100% of the time. God can help us control our anger. There is no need to have this kind of anger in our life. Being angry, yes, don't let it take you anywhere. Like David, angry at first, at the end of every psalm, but praise the Lord and he's calm right down. We've got to calm down. We've got to, in this crazy world, we've got to be calm. Mm. All right. Now, another form of the sixth commandment is killer words. Killer words. James 3, 8 says... But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Isn't that so true? There are things that you cannot take back. One of them is the spoken word. It's a deadly killer, isn't it? You kill people with your tongue. When you're quarrelling and gossiping, you speak arsenic words that are laced with toxic criticisms. When you use toxic gossip, sarcasm, slander or bad tales, you're destroying somebody else. You know, God says in Psalm 101, whoever secretly slanders his neighbour, him I will destroy. So be very, very careful. If you hear something about anyone, don't repeat it. Because if it's wrong, it's slander and God is going to get you. So be careful when you talk about other people. I like (laughs) the word discretion or diplomacy. It's the unspoken part of what you think. Stick with that a lot. It helps. All right. Character assassination breaks this commandment. 
When you lose your good reputation, you're as good as dead. All it takes is one sentence of evil words and a lifetime relationship can be killed. If you've killed someone in, in any way, ask God to forgive you. That's a prayer that he always answers. Back when I was a boy, and I don't know about you guys, but it still goes on, you young people, uh, people used to have nicknames for one another. Some of them were quite good and nice and uplifting, oh, but not all of them. Not all of them. Some were meant mainly to hurt people. And young people like to pick on each other. Some parents give their children's names like, you idiot or you clumsy oaf. You've heard that, haven't you? You're brainless. You, you know, all these adjectives. I was raised with a lot of these adjectives. Luckily, I don't believe them. <clears throat> these sort of names can really hurt a child as we grow up believing that that's what his parents think of him. You know what? You call a child a thief long enough and he'll steal. That's a reality of life. So if you call a kid a moron, you know what he's going to end up doing? Behaving like a... Yeah, we're not to do that. We're not to do that. Cunning words can destroy. They really can. I think that words can hurt you more than sticks and stones, actually. Jesus pointed out the positive side of this commandment. He said, what you really need to do is to love others instead of retaliating. He called it turning the other cheek. Remember what he said in Luke 10? You've heard that it was said, you shall love your enemy and hate, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. That's Matthew 5. Where did Luke 10 go? I've jumped again again. Oh, no, slide it says. Ha, there we go. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Anyways, you knew that anyways, didn't you? It's the commandment that's like the first or like the greatest. Instead of killing, let's try and save lives. If you see a fellow church member who's slipping away that hasn't attended for several weeks, call them, write them a card, pray for them, let them know that you miss them, contact them and encourage them. Don't just sit there and allow their spirits to die. It is so easy to say, I'm glad that person's no longer coming anymore. You know, we should speak with them. And if we don't get on with them, more the reason for speaking to them, there's somebody to be saved. They really are. And it's hard. But this is where Jesus says, love them. Love them. I think the sixth commandment, stated in the positive, would basically say, love life. Not just loving your enemies, but loving life. Take care of life. Take care of your health. You can state this in eight different ways. Exercise faithfully. Rest soundly. Eat intelligently. Live temperately. Breathe deeply. Enjoy the sunshine. Avoid harmful things and trust without worrying. Eight laws of health. They're here in this commandment. Jesus put the sixth commandment in the positive of Matthew 5, and that's where I went to before, wasn't it? I've got 22 there. Um, but he says here 543.44. Let's correct that. No, that's correct. My notes here are wrong. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Do you do that? Do you do that? Well, Jesus said to do that. And it's not easy, is it? 
Nothing Jesus said was easy. He didn't say, I'll promise you a rose garden. When he said, follow me, he said, deny yourselves and take up your cross. He promised you the thorns, not the rose garden. It's hard. Oh, but the benefits are out of this world. Benefits are out of this world. And everybody has a right to those benefits. We should give them every opportunity. If we come before the judgment seat and God says, well, you didn't, or Jesus says, you didn't, you can say, I tried. I opened every door that I could. And that's what he wants to hear. Paul adds a statement here in Romans 12, 20. Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. Wow, that's not what we're taught by the world, is it? But if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. So let's disconnect. Let's not disconnect others from life by killing them or disconnect ourselves from life by taking our own life. Let's regard life. Let's love the life that God gave us. Take care of it. And when it comes time for us to return that which we have leased from him, let's return it in good shape so that his smile can rest upon us. I long for that day when we shall see Jesus and see his smile and he will say, well done, you did a good job. I want this to happen to me. And I know that you want this to happen to you. Amen. Amen. Well, let's finish this program with verse, uh, hymn 673. No, 470. There is what in my soul today? Sunshine. Sunshine. Dear loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the simple instructions that, you give, that you've given us. Simple yet very profound and most protective. Father, we love you, and because we love you, it is our desire to follow your precepts, your statutes, your laws, and your commandments. Bless each one of us, Father, as we take this to heart, as Ezra did as we're studying this quarter, Father, and study your word and take it all to heart and follow you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us. And we hope to see you and he and the Holy Spirit, if it's possible to see you, Spirit Father. So, Father, help us to be ready for Jesus when he comes. Is our prayer in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.